welcome to the first edition of the Horror Business Podcast. I'm Lucy Leitner. I'm an, uh, I guess we're calling me what, a transgressive fiction author of books like um, Outrage Level 10 and my contributions to uh, Godless Original Series like the fucking Scumbags Burn in Hell uh, series and uh, the Godless League. Uh, this is my co-host, S.C. Mendez. Hello. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, so I am in the literary world. You probably know me from my books as an author, as S.C. Mendez, but then I also am co-owner of Bloodbound Books, and I've been doing that for the last 13 years. And so it's been an honor and a privilege to work with some amazing authors uh, in the transgressive world, in the dark fiction world, and all the way through to like extreme horror and that dark, dark shelves in the back of the bookstores that probably don't even exist anymore. Uh, so I, I'm super excited to kind of talk with you on the business of horror and kind of how maybe authors and presses um, can be more effective at what they do. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Primarily, um, since basically since I graduated college in 2005, I've been in marketing, mostly digital. So starting out with like you know doing some real like black hat SEO stuff where you would stuff keywords like in white text onto like a white border on a web page, like, like real, like sleazy internet marketing world <laughs> is kind of where I started. Um, and I've been, you know, worked as marketing director at a tech startup. Um, I'm right now do a lot in health and wellness, uh, mostly like digital, digital advertising, a lot of social media and everything. And I found that a lot of the stuff like really translates well. And I've been able to use a lot of those skills to, um, understand a lot more about what's going on in like, you know, book marketing. Yeah. That's a fast paced world that's moving a lot. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what we see in the, the book world right now. Like when we started, I, I think in 2009, Facebook was a thing, um, but I didn't understand what it was. And so there was no like just jumping on and seeing what other publishers and other presses were doing. There was like these forums. Um, and I met some guys that I still end up talking with now that I still work with, which is really cool. But there were just these forums that we would jump on and we made so many mistakes. And even how I see the publishing world now is different than it was five years ago because so mm -hmm. much is changing. Um, every year there's a new user-friendly software that allows it to be easier for someone to publish or for presses to reach more people. So having that adaptability is probably huge. So coming from that background, you can do very, very well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And even so, like I, I took like almost a decade long break from from publishing. I had my first book out in 2012. And then not until 2021 did I do anything else And that nine year gap of just how much things had changed just in that time. Like in 2012, you sent your stuff to websites to like yeah. horror, horror websites, blogs, things like that. And by the by 2021, it's Oh, you need to get on the the Bookstagram community. Yeah. So, oh, like just so quickly, even though it seems like, like, like it, like it's not been that much time, but it, it the whole world has changed. It's super changing, and so it's one of the things I say is like whatever we talk about in this. I think the most important thing is always um, principles endure. The the tactics that we use are constantly changing and you adapt and you overcome, but I guess this the perseverance of the author and of the presses is really what's going to make them successful or not, I think. Yeah, agreed. And I think our topic too is going to be um, 
it's going to be relevant for for a while. Um, yeah. We're like for today's topic, which um, just kind of how how to figure out if you should be self publishing or if you should go with like a small press. So I had this question. I was kind of curious about this because um, there is just like it seems like every day there's a new small press. And I mean, like a new small horror press, they're, they're, you know, actively soliciting people, they're putting out books. And I'm, I'm in these horror groups on Facebook, like horror writers groups, and people are always at, they're all frustrated with like, you know, oh, I can't get my formatting right. Amazon's rejecting my book because I did some error. And it was some like weird little thing that usually like someone, a writer wouldn't know about like you know like a like a bleed on their cover was wrong or yeah. something like that and so i was kind of i was thinking like well there's so many small presses who would take all this considerations away from the writer so the writer could just like focus on the book so because there are so many of these small presses and it seems like it's a lot easier to get published now than maybe it was like even like nine nine ten years ago um because i remember when i was searching and there were not that many of them back in 2011 so um i was wondering why people would go through this huge trouble of of self-publishing so i asked you the question and you're like well that's probably I would recommend for eighty percent of people that they do self-publish. I did. I so did. I, yeah. <laughs> so I a guy who owns a press, a small press who relies on authors, is saying, eh, yeah, a lot of people should." So yeah, yeah. So that the, like that was a really cool way to start because um, I think this is something that a lot of people, a lot of people really consider um, when they're you know their book is their book is done. Yeah. Um, all the editing is done. It's like okay, well, what do I do now? <laughs> right, right. Um, and sorry, continue. Yeah, no, I was just gonna ask. Like, um, I think we had like a couple different considerations that we that we wanted to talk about. So, what would be what would be for you? What would be the first step in um, that that a writer would want to consider when they are making this decision? So, I think one of the first steps they want to take, and we did we talked about it briefly, but I I know this is probably a whole nother show. Is that idea of do you want to be? When I say a full time writer, I mean someone who is supplementing their income um, or transitioning, try, trying to supplement their day job entirely, or I should say replace it, right? So that really kind of separates you between, I want to be pro, I really want to do this actively, or you know what, I'm a hobbyist, um, and there's nothing wrong with either one. I think more often the hobbyist is somebody who says, you know what, I wrote this thing, I love writing, but I, you know, I come up with a book every three or four years they probably want a press. They don't want to dive into the ins and outs. They want to share what's inside of them, get a great book out there, and know that they have a team that they can work with um, who if they have questions or they hit a stumbling block, that team or the small press is, uh, press is there to help them. And that's really, I think, why they might want to go that route. But for someone who's trying to do full-time, and I have talked to a couple full-time authors, and I'm like, you know how to do all this stuff. Why do you keep going to presses? Because you like you know how to do audiobooks. You know how to format everything. You are an artist too. You can make your own covers. Why would you do this? And they say, you know, because it's kind of what they do for freelancing on the side as well as writing. And by that stage, they just want to write and enjoy and they want to hand it off mm-hmm. to somebody else. And mm-hmm. as an author and an editor myself, I know that my own work is really difficult to edit it. You can't. You have to give it to somebody else. And so maybe it's this idea of, you know what, I write so much, I'll give it to a press that I've really built up a rapport with. Um, and that works. But there's a lot of considerations. And I think down the road, 
unless you have a great relationship with your press and it's someone you know you can count on and you know it's a long-term relationship that you guys have talked about, you probably, especially in the world of horror, since so many presses pop up and so many fall apart sporadically, um, mm -hmm. I would go the route of self-publishing. If, if the things we talk about here gel with you and you think you could do it, I would say go the route of self-publishing. You have more control and ownership and you're going to get more money in the long run to help support your continued dreams. Yeah, and I think I think we like thinking about the specifics of of what you have in there. So these people that you were mentioning, like, you know, some people who are so savvy, so sophisticated with everything, they really understand like what's they really understand all the steps, but it just but it's a time commitment thing. Maybe they just don't like it. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, cause the first thing I think we want to talk about is the marketing. Yeah. Um, is that, cause that is a huge responsibility on, on a self-published author. Um, and I can just tell you that there's one thing that I think is one of the most important marketing things, um, which is sending your books out there to reviewers. I hate this. Like I, I hate doing it. I hate the cold outreach. Um, I've done, I used to do back in like maybe 2012, 2013, um, when, when it was bloggers mm -hmm. and I did this as like, you know, for clients and everything and for, for agency work where you'd reach out to a blogger and it was basically like, you know, trying to get, trying to get an article, uh, placed on a blog or trying to get a blogger to try and review a product. I hated doing it then. I hated doing. I hate doing it for myself, and I hate sending it out like soliciting reviewers on you know maybe people who are more social media reviewers. So, I I can I can see like you know so some of these considerations where like I know how to do it. I don't want to. Right. Right. <laughs> But really, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that bad. <laughs> yeah, so that shouldn't be your stumbling block, but I get it. It's, no. You know what? Okay, I feel the same way. I have buddies who are like, oh, when I was younger, you could work here, you could work there. And it's always like this, it was a call service job or it was a sales thing. And I was like, guys, yeah. I don't want to do this. And they're like, but you, you used to be a teacher. You get up and sell things all the time. I was like, this is different. I don't want to be on the phone. I just didn't want to do it. And so I completely get that. That's either something that a person has to decide, yeah, it's not worth my time or they learn to get over it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I was just wondering, like, what, if you could explain, like, you know, for someone that maybe does have those, those like hangups, mm -hmm. um, basically, like, first of all, what exactly should be expected of the self, the self-published author in terms of marketing and what would a small press take off their shoulders? Right. Um, see, and the kind of the hard part on this one is I think even if you have a small press, that author should still be doing a large amount of self-promoting uh, and I'll go into why I think that is but let's just say you are going with a small press what you're really looking for is you're looking for a collaboration a team um, somebody to work with and like you said help alleviate some of the burdens and, and uh, attack everything together I guess though you should really look at what what it is as a structure though so an author is actually you're getting an investor um, for your book. I, I, that's really like kind of the way I look at it. Uh, press says, wow, they read your manuscript and they go, I really believe in this and I know how difficult it can be to break into that larger literary world. So I want to help you by investing my, my resources, which are basically my money and my contacts, um, to help you bring this to the world. And so they're going to do that, but they have limitations. And so what you can expect from them is 
no money up front. Like they're going to cover all of the laying out, the designing, the artwork. When it comes to sending out copies for marketing, um, I mean, for Bloodbound Books, we've sent out hundreds of dollars worth of books before. Sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. But you could expect your publisher to do that for you. Um, and what normally happens is they're going to send out a bunch of digital copies because that's that's easier. And so we have like a, a big you know, spreadsheet of all the people that usually like to review our stuff. And so we send them all these digital copies. However, the people that I know who are definitely going to like take pictures with it or put it on social media, like a bookstagram or them, we give physical copies to, but we don't send out 150 physical copies. Um, that's mm -hmm. more limited. But that is something that's taken off your plate. You don't have to do that anymore. You also don't have to spend the hours scrolling through influencers to see, hey, who is in the horror world doing this? Who is on TikTok? Oh my goodness, doing this stuff. I haven't even gone there yet, so I don't, I don't want to look at it. But that's, I guess, what you're hoping the press is going to do for you. That they've been around for so long that they've amassed this contact that they could reach out to easier than you could. Um, and as well, again, with the money, there are considerations, how much money are they putting into it? But at the, at the end of the day, that's what you're hoping that the small press will do for you that would come right off your plate. Um, the reason I say that you still probably have to do a lot of it yourself is because there's a shelf life to these books. So when I think about it this way, I, would, I still try to go back and promote books that are four years old on our Bloodbound books. I'll, I circle back to them. I'm always submitting to BookBub. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't always pick up unless there's an author who's writing another book or who's engaging. I, mm -hmm. I promote this thing. And again, it's nothing against the author. It's, you know, we have a relationship and this is how it's working. But someone, it doesn't necessarily translate to coming back and buying that book years later. So you have like a couple months before a book, right? The big hype is coming. Um, you've got that launch for a week. It's great. It's amazing. And then you've got a couple months after it. And then after that, the press really has to move on. Like they've kind of done their job. And besides cycling back every once in a while, like once a year on the anniversary or maybe the book ties into certain holidays, that's kind of it. They're now like a set place for your book, but it's on you now. Like what are you doing next? And so I think that the author by being active, by being out there, by being not necessarily um, an advertiser, but just by being them and being approachable, they are now sending people to that um, press to buy their book. And the other hope, I suppose, um, is that that press has amassed 30 authors or more like that. So now all of them are sending people back and we're all kind of working together and you have that teamwork. Whereas if you're solo, you're still going to rely on other people, but the structure is going to look slightly different. Um, maybe you get more authors to talk about you because you talk about them. And so, I mean, the best way is if you're a writer and a reader, you're reviewing books that you are appreciative of. And then in turn, other people notice you as you share that. So I think that's kind of what the press can offer. Um, but then also, I think too many times a self-published author thinks that that'll take care of everything. And then they're shocked why their book hasn't sold more than, you know, 100 copies. They're like, that's so weird. I have a publisher. Why did it not work? So, Yeah, I've been seeing that a lot on Instagram in particular um, with people who have been, they've been doing the, you know, book reviews. I've mm -hmm. actually had uh, some of my books reviewed by people who are also authors. And they have been establishing um, a following for providing really useful information to other readers, which is, of course, book reviews. And 
this it this is marketing like that that is part of it and you which like setting up that account what these people do is extremely time consuming reading all those books for one is very time consuming the putting together these thoughtful reviews and often they don't just put them on their instagram they plaster them all over the place every place that you can review and they take really nice pictures because instagram is a visual platform so you can't just throw a book cover on there and expect anyone to actually stop and look they pose the books in a really really nice way Mm -hmm. and then they write their reviews in the comments so I think that that something like that, you don't necessarily consider that to be marketing usually because it's not necessarily advertising, but that's exactly what you're talking about is establishing like this presence for the author, like the social media presence so that that person, like maybe they've built up like 3000 followers primarily from building other, from, from reviewing other people's books. All of a sudden they have a new book coming out. They've got 3000 people that they can tell. And they have probably a lot of those people are going to be authors whose books they've reviewed in the past. So there'll be that feeling of reciprocity toward the authors who, who have those accounts and like, okay, well, this person reviewed me. I got to check out one thing that they've written. So I like, and that to do that, well, that's, that's a lot of work. Um, and and I and I, I do see what you're saying with you know just the you know maintaining like a social a really good social media profile which I think we we're, we're going to try to talk about like more specifically in like other episodes is is time consuming but it is completely worth it and it is also mostly free so yeah yeah the investment is can, time time yeah exactly exactly. Um, one to your point so, on that one real um, quick, because I think this will make I think people try to do that bookstagramming and when they fail, I think it's mm-hmm. sometimes because um, to word it the, the correct way, sometimes they get so excited about sharing new books that they don't put in all the time to actually read the whole thing through and are reviewing things that they honestly love and giving an honest review. So this is an important note mm-hmm. to any reviewers out there or authors who want to promote other people. If you don't have the time to do that, don't do it because it is very easy to tell mm-hmm. when it is not genuine. Your review or your bookstagramming, your stuff, if you're just doing it to like try to build this veil that, oh, I love this guy, I love that guy. If you don't really love them, the walls start to crumble eventually. Mm -hmm. And so it it really is a huge time commitment. And I guess you're hoping that your publisher Mm -hmm. does this, but that's not really what a publisher does. Um, But those roles are kind of changing. I guess one thing, and then I'm sorry I sidetracked Mm -hmm. us, but there are sometimes people who are bookstagrammers that's what they did first and then it's almost like being working mm-hmm. at a marketing agency and then starting a, a small press they suddenly have all of those skills all that knowledge and then yes if you get with that press holy cow they might take you a shortcut whereas it takes another press 10 years to develop these contacts and reputations it took them one year because they had all this built they were something else first and they're taking their marketing they're taking mm-hmm. their expertise and just applying it now to the world of book publishing rather than something else. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, and there's just so many different ways to go about it. So many different ways to to establish yourself that not necessarily everyone needs to. And I think to your point, where if you can't do it well, this isn't something you should be getting into. Is that if you are not an avid reader, because to be an author, you do not have to be someone who devours three books a week. 
Yeah. Like that's just, you don't, you don't have to be, that's not, that's not criteria. <laughs> so um, I think like there's a lot of different ways that you can go about that. You don't necessarily have to be about all books all the time to have an interesting, engaging social media presence and to keep people interested in what you're going to put out next. You can so, have a life, right? Think, you can actually yeah. just do regular things <laughs> and talk about them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I think I think that's going to be like a really interesting distinction, too, is that like, and I think what, what happens with a lot of people is that they'll see something and they'll say, oh, I should be doing this. Like someone else is doing this. I should be doing this. And they'll try to do everything. And that's really not the case of what you what you what you need to do. And but yeah, to your point, it is still really important. Even if the publisher is going to be doing things like sending your books out, yeah. which is absolutely what you know the publisher should be doing, and taking that off your shoulders, you do still need to um, maintain a somewhat public, I guess, personality out there to keep people interested. I think so. And 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 doing interviews, a lot of which are going to be written, which are very time consuming yeah, as well yeah. to put together written responses. Like a lot of those things are still going to be obviously on the off. So I think that's a really important point to make that if you, know, if you do get a small press, it's not going to take away your responsibilities. Right. Yeah, that's an important point to make. Um, so I was just wanted to ask about this, too, for like in terms of marketing, does a reputation of a small press matter? How much does that influence and how and or enhance the book's credibility? Yeah, yes and no. So credibility and reputation matter uh, to a degree. So it's Definitely nice to have someone believe in your work. I think this uh, stigma of self-publishing is still very harsh, whereas if you self-publish, we as readers automatically assume that your book was kind of stinky and no one else wanted to read it. I mean, your mom loved it, maybe your best friend, but other than that, there was no one saying, hey, I will invest my contacts and my money in helping bring this to the world. And that's not always the case. So yes, when you get that support in the beginning of your career, it feels great. You're like, wow, um, XYZ Press is supporting me. This feels really good. It feels great to say my publisher. It also sometimes does look really good when your publisher reaches out to the magazines and sends out you know, your review copies. There is something there. However, um, I, I would also say though that the majority of readers, and that's who you're really connecting with here, they don't really care who the press is. They're not like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the next Penguin book. Everything they do is gold. Like, this is amazing. It's That's more for authors. Authors should care about the press because that's the person you're bonding with. That's the person you're committing to now with your baby, right, your book, for all these years. So you want to have a good business relationship that's mutually beneficial for both of you. So them having a good reputation just with authors is super important for you. But in terms of what that translates to the outside world and readership, I highly doubt that it impacts sales all that much. Um, in the indie world, kind of like you and me are both in the indie kind of horror world, I think there's like an overlap though. So Whereas most people that start a small press, they're just super fans. Um, they start off that way, right? And probably they have some expertise, like they did editing already, or they did layout design, or they just love reading and they wanna be a part of creating stuff and they wanna help authors bring their dreams to life, which is pretty much how I started. I just love doing this and I learned a lot of stuff along the way. The first books that I laid out when I did it myself, and they were really bad. Honestly, I didn't even remember to justify the text the very first time. I went to a horror convention, it was 2009 or, or 2010, I think, 
MythosCon, and someone was coming by, and he goes, man, I really love your, your work. This looks good. Can I make a suggestion, though? You have it left aligned, probably center. I'm like, oh, my gosh. How did I not even look at that, right? But the, th the point I'm trying to make is you're just you're a super fan, and you love what you're doing. It's your passion, and you're growing with these authors. Um, but in the indie world, we now connect with readers and they go, oh my gosh, I love Bloodbound books or oh my gosh, I love Godless or even though Godless isn't a, isn't a publisher, it's a publishing platform, kind of like Amazon. But they love you and you kind of make a connection and they become part of your street team as it were. Um, but that's a very small chunk in the large readership. And we're not talking about reaching 5,000 people on your Facebook feed. You want to reach hundreds of thousands of readers. And so your small press it's only going to carry you so far. After that, it's you as the author. People remember your name. They don't think about the press. So, you know, 50-50, but that's what I would say about a press's reputation. That just kind of reminded me, I just keep thinking of, like, um, punk record labels. Like, is it being very similar? Like, I'm, you know, I was a teenager, like, in the late 90s, and we'd buy the Punkarama mm -hmm. albums from, like, Epitaph Records. So it got me familiar with Epitaph, but it wasn't like... It was, it wasn't like I, you know, was like went out and bought, like, it was just kind of a little bit like, okay, well, I really like all these bands that are on Epitaph. Yeah. So like, like I like the compilations and I like that. So when I see like, oh, they're on Epitaph. Oh, that's cool. Like I might, yeah, like yeah. Them. I might like them too. And I don't think about that way with like, I don't know, like a huge record label like Geffen or something like that. It's like, oh, well, Guns N' Roses was on Geffen. I'm not automatically going to like everything else that's on there. But when you have a smaller like label that's in like, a, you know, a specific genre and everything, it does kind of give you like it helps. I, I It feels like it helps a little bit because it's like, OK, well, these people have curated this and I tend to like the stuff that they curate, you know? Totally. There, There is something. And when you brought that up, I, when I say street teams, I mean, that really originates from what you're talking about. I think um, farther back to like, well, for me, rather than punk, it was Metal Massacre. I mean, those were the compilations put out by Metal Blade Records, who I found out were like down the street from me in Chandler, uh, you know, in Arizona. I had no idea. But they put out, you know, compilations. Metallica was on one and Slayer, but they weren't big. These street teams were going out and handing out the cassettes in front of concerts and building that street team, and then they blew up. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I love Metal Blade, but there was really nothing about it. It was that small community that I thought I was a part of. Um, another good one, maybe, maybe not. I got to work with him once, and it was an honor, but Lloyd Kaufman of Troma. Uh, he's one of those things where, and I know you've written about Troma too, and it was one of those things where it's like, okay, Troma is this big brand, and some of it's great, but there's some stinkers there, but you almost always will try out a Troma movie, right? If you're in the mood for that kind of movie, right? Because it's Troma. And I guess it, there is something lent to that team being a part of, um, for sure, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, where it's like, yeah, it's, it's not... At this point, it doesn't necessarily, because there's so many fantastic, really super professional self-published authors mm -hmm. at this point yeah. who are going through all the right steps, that they're getting everything edited, that they're having a bunch of beta readers, that they have, you know, professional cover artists, that they're, you know, super good at layout and everything. So they're putting out books, 
that are just as good in quality like now. And then yes. maybe that wasn't the case at first with self-publishing, but it is now. So, um, but I do see, like, I see what you're saying where like, yeah, there, there can be to a lot of people. Yes. The publisher does matter to the, to a subset of people. Yeah. So it, it makes, it makes total, that makes total sense to me. And um, is there like, in terms of the marketing capabilities of a small press, like you've, you've said what they do, but does a small press necessarily have more marketing capabilities than an author? I would say no. Um, in, in the small, I don't know, percentage where you're talking about, you know, someone who came from another field and brought it over, um, I, I don't see that they have any more expertise than a self-published author would if the self-published author just spent a little bit of time researching it. Um, they really can have the same contacts. All the the BookBub deals and the offer, you can do all that stuff now. As you said, there wasn't the opportunity before, but now that the walls are coming down, you can have access to the same type of marketing firms if you wanted to that any of these small presses could. It really just comes down to money. That's really the only obstacle. How much is a small press willing to pay to market you and how much are you willing to pay? Um, I think the capabilities don't come into play until you get to that next tier, which we're not even talking about, which were the publishing houses that give you like $20,000 advances and they're doing TV spots and radio. We're not even on that page. So really it just comes down to how much money is your press or you willing to invest? And I think that's the only obstacle. And that's a good, that leads me into another question I had, which is what, what can a self-published author expect to invest in, in getting their book out? Oh, my suggestion for self-published authors, unless they really love the aspect of laying out the entire book and designing it, I would outsource most of those things so that it looks professional as possible, at least in the beginning. And it kind of be a learning curve as you go. But honestly, if you're in the community and you're building up contacts and you're at least looking at presses and following who they talk to and who they use, you can very easily find people who will help you with editing who will help you with the layout, you can find cover artists, and if they're in the industry, you can very easily build relationships with them that you can grow. Um, honestly, um, what is his name? Uh, Andre Boltevic, if I say that correctly, we know him as the Maggot Master. We started out with him on our very first book back in 2010, and I found him on DeviantArt. I didn't have very much money. I didn't know what I could pay him, and so we paid him a very inexpensive fee for making this first cover for us. We have literally worked with him and increased the money that we've paid him over the last 13 years, which is kind of what I've done with authors overall. But I guess my point is you don't have to jump into this really expensive price tag. I've seen people do um, $89 pre-made book covers that are better than the book that you would have had to pay $700 to have somebody painted on. And so there's really a wide range. I don't want to say it's going to cost this much or that much. But I feel that you could outsource everything out, get professional formatting done, professional looking cover. You could buy an ISBN. You could order proofs of your book all for about $600. Again, some people will scoff at that and say, no way. It's costing me thousands to put out a self-published book. I think they're probably spending way too much then. I do not think most presses, small presses, are investing more than $1,000 in your book for that overall thing. One thing that presses do to eliminate some of that money so they can use more for um, marketing would be they're already experts at some of these things. Most small presses, they're already freelancing editing on the side. That's what they do. Most small presses are already helping other presses or other authors 
do their laying out and that's kind of how they supplement their own business so they're not outsourcing it. Me for Bloodbound Books, I definitely put it out because I want my time to be spent in marketing the book. That's more fun for me. So I gladly pay somebody else, hey, lay this out. I did all the editing, I worked with the author, we made sure the content was what we love. Now I give it, I pay somebody else, the author still hasn't paid anything and then I get the product back but I get more time for advertising. So I would say if the author is willing to invest about $600 and a little bit of time working with people um, and building a relationship with other, other um, I guess you call them freelancers in the industry, they can have a fantastic book for $600 and then over time they could then save and try out marketing avenues because most of the marketing avenues that we've talked about that are really working are gonna be social media things and being you and you controlling your own brand, which is something the press can't do for you anyway. And so you could mess around with $400 of your own over time and testing out different marketing things here and there. So honestly, $600 up to 1,000, you could have an amazing book release, I think. And then you would keep 100% of the profits. I mean, obviously, not the cut that you have to give to Amazon. Or right, <laughs> or right. Like and we should talk but about that a little you bit. You would be able to keep a higher percentage. But yeah, yeah, you get to keep 100% of that. So yeah, one, yeah. You're, you're making it back. And this will probably get into your control question. So I'll, I'll hold off. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was going to ask, like, um, yeah, that, that we'll get into also, but like one thing that you were talking about was, you know, outsourcing most of this, most of the, the book production stuff, which I agree makes total sense. Um, formatting is extremely tedious and it's, and even th certain things like print, like I've done design professionally, but it's all been for digital stuff. So when you get something like when you're like you're getting these print guidelines and you're like and I'll mess up something like the bleed, like I'll get confused about what all the lines mean and everything, even though like I have an art degree, like I, you know, when you think you think you have enough knowledge, like I know the composition for a cover. I yeah. understand that. But like these just little details is like. It's really nice, at least for your first run, it makes total sense. And then you can kind of learn these stuff, these things. You can learn the specifications and everything over time. Um, but I was going to ask as well, like all of these things, when you just hand it off to a, a press, they just do all that. You're done. Then you, you know, then you get to work on something else. But like in terms of like the time commitment for all these things, for, for like the um, for the self-published author and not just getting the book ready for publication, but doing things like managing their Amazon listings and managing all their, all their sales listings on all their platforms and all sorts of things like that. Like how much of a time commitment do you see that as, as opposed to, uh, someone who goes with a small press? Um, see, and I, I still think it's going to be equivalent um, if, if you want to be a full-time author, I really do think, and it's hard to say, I never want to say, oh, you should spend at least three hours a day. Sometimes you want to write for like three days and, and then maybe you have a full day where you do marketing, but you somehow have to break up this time. And I think it is a time commitment either way. And, and again, the reason why I say it's a time commitment, even if you go with the small press is because after that book has its, its life expectancy of that six months or whatever, the press moves on. Whitney, you're back to square one. And so if you didn't start it when you were releasing the book, you got to start it now. At some point, you have to continue this. So um, the sitting down for three hours and maybe it's 
jumping on Facebook and interacting with those other authors. Maybe it's um, sharing something about your writing process. So as you're doing some of these things, maybe you record yourself. Maybe you talk to your readers about something you're doing You know, with your backlistings and stuff like that. People love this idea of content and getting to actually talk to the author. I think that's really huge. And that might be a big stumbling block, I think, for presses because at the end of the day, I think more readers want to connect with the author now, especially where we are pulling down these walls. And so if you're not dedicating three hours you know, a day or the equivalent over the course of a week or something in connecting with fans, I think you will miss out on being successful. So there definitely is a time commitment, even if you go with the press, that you're kind of stuck with if you want to be successful as a full-time author. So again, even though you've handed it off. It's like, yes, it's back to writing. I guess you have to judge by your experience, right? Like, are you writing? Like I have authors that write so much. They literally do tell me like, okay, Christopher Trown is a great one. He, he is always sending me the next manuscript before I'm even ready for it. He doesn't have to worry about that because he kind of is going and he's got enough that he can write and still advertise and hand stuff off to us. But somebody else if they hand it off to us but then don't do anything for a year, they're not going to get the same results that someone like Chris would who's constantly writing and constantly at, he's at conventions. So think of it that way. Even if you don't do anything online, you got to go to conventions now. That's a time commitment. If you really want to interact, how do you meet fans? I mean, presses used to set up Barnes & Noble, right? Borders. They would set you up and you go and have a book signing and everyone shows up and that's your moment for it. Well, nowadays, it's just you doing that rather than your small press. You're reaching out. You're finding the conventions. You're buying mm -hmm. the table. You're doing it. All that is part of it. So I think that really has to be there even if you have the small press. I hope that answers the, the question. Yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense. Like you it kind of brings back to what we were saying at the at the very beginning about the, the marketing aspect that you you haven't outsourced your business no matter yeah. what no matter even if you have a press even if you have one of those like the big six presses those people those authors are on twitter all the time yeah like, and that could be a whole day job like you know it's it's they're still even if you get like the big advance and your publisher's booking you on a book tour there's still a lot of work that the author has to do themselves so i think that's a really good way of managing expectations for people to um help people understand like you're still gonna have to do a lot yeah um and that kind of brings me to the last one which is like after this discussion after you after you know you've kind of you know, convince me that um, I had it all wrong when I initially asked you this question is like, why would someone go through all this trouble of self-publishing is um, the control that you have over your work is that when you have, when you are self-published, you do have 100% complete control as opposed to when you seed a lot of it over to your, to the, to the press for, you know, these other like maybe benefits that we, that we talked about, um, with being able to work with a team. So can you talk about that? Like talk about what exactly, like what, what do you still have control of if you work with the small press? So hopefully when you work with your small press, they want to involve you in the process as much as possible. Um, but I suppose at the end of the day, 
the press really is the one making the final decisions on everything, on every, yeah, we covers are, you know, me and him are like, oh, this is a really cool cover. I think some of our old anthologies, it looked like something off Metal Blade. There's this like cool real skeleton on it and there's blood flowing and I'm like, this is awesome. It's a heavy metal ma uh, poster. It's not a book cover. And so, yes, you can work together, but if your publisher says, hey, I really think we should go this route, you kind of have to go along with that route. They're making the choice and you're trusting their expertise. Um, and so if you go with the press, I would say feel like know in advance that they want to collaborate with you a little bit, but know at the end of the day that it does become their choice. And I guess if you went to a press, you're assuming their expertise, whether it's valid or not, was enough for you to go to them. And so that's, it's like, gosh, I don't want to make a horrible analogy, but it's like you're going to a doctor, right? You've decided, okay, I trust you. I understand medicine is a practice. We're always practicing, but I trust you and you're going to, we're going to go this route. And if this doesn't work, we'll try another route for whatever condition you're, you're working on, right? That's what you're doing with your press. So hopefully it's something that um, evolves over time and you work with them. But honestly, at the end of the day, they set your price, right? Um, they're going to run all of your ads for you for the most part. Um, and they're going to pick your cover. They're going to pick all those kind of things for you. So you really have to be okay with relinquishing all that and knowing that the only thing that you can do is controlling yourself. That's why I say the majority of people who want to do this seriously, if all you can really control is yourself anyway, why don't you just control all of it on your own? The stuff that's out of your league for now, outsource because none of it is the creativeness. If you want to have a certain section break, talk to your designer for that. Have them do it. The press isn't going to go over with you and say, oh, I've decided I want to have an ornate skull for the... No, we just sent it out to the press. I mean, I've had a great... Lori Michelle is a fantastic layout designer. I love working with it. She always picks something fun. Like she'll put a little dagger as the section breaker. She'll put something that goes with the story. But that's just awesome. That's Lori. We've built this up. You can't expect that as the author. So if you have this idea that you're going to have a very specific thing, come up with that on your own. Decide exactly what you want. Why forgo anything? Because if you look at the big picture, for $600 we're talking about, right? Um, you have the ability to pick everything about your book and make it everything you want and give none of the control away. And so for me, it's, it's a no-brainer. You have to do this. Also, when you think about the price, what are you selling your your digital copies for? Let's say $4.99, you know, on the on the higher end. I know Kindle copies go for like $10, but that's like a Stephen King book, right? It's like $10. So Amazon is taking, or whoever you publish through, is taking their cut. So of the $4, let's just say to make the math easy, Amazon's already taking 30% of that. So you now are left with, I'm, I'm not a math teacher, but I'm guessing about $2.80 now that's now split between you and the press. Well, what did the press offer you? We usually do 50-50. Um, did they even give you an advance? I haven't really seen advances over $500 for small presses. So you maybe got $500, and now you're getting 50% of $2.80. So you're getting a buck 40. And you still, we're telling you, you still have to do all this work anyway. Um, so I say just go for it. The other point with control, and I don't know if you were going to jump into this already or if I'm, I'm going ahead on it, but there's this idea that you are a brand, and I'm finding that it's better for you to speak for yourself than someone else to speak for you, because when you sign these contracts with the small press, um, you're kind of committing to them for a couple years. 
three to four years, the majority of small presses topple. I can't tell you how many started and fell since 2009 when I started. The people that I went to conventions to in the beginning of my career, they're no longer around. Now, I'm not saying this is any fault of their own. These just happen. Every small business entrepreneur knows that barely anything survives after five years. What happens to your book when you've invested in this publisher that you thought was your teammate and now they're gone? They could have been great people, but your book is kaput. So all those links are dead now. You have to republish it yourself. You still have to get an ISBN or you have to shop now a second edition. Let me tell you, that is extremely difficult to shop around to a small press unless you're a huge name. And if you're a huge name and you have a following, why don't you just do it yourself and self-publish? You know what I mean? Um, can I talk about uh, also the small presses sometimes... Gosh, how do I want to say this? They're people too, right? They don't have a legal team. They don't have someone when a controversy comes up, they don't have a legal team saying, oh, this is how you react. This is a statement we're putting out to all of our, you know, all of our um, investors, all of our readers, all of our whatever. You've got two people, probably who are friends, who are passionate, like I said, are super fans and are in the field, but they're now shouting out their opinion to the world about whatever it is. Any political, religious, community-based thing, is that what you want? What if they say something that gets themselves in a lot of hot water and now you're now committed to them for the next seven years or however long you sign this? That can suddenly be a huge detriment. Now you don't really love that team anymore or you don't like the things they're doing. That's a bigger component to me about the control in my experience. Yeah, that that makes total sense. That makes a lot of sense what you were saying about the, you know, about the, the risks that an author would have that they kind of put themselves in just by by working with the publisher instead of keeping the control for, for themselves. So what it really sounds like is that your biggest risk in self-publishing is that you're going to lose your $600 that you've invested and not be able to recoup that. And you've spent a lot of time on something that might not have panned out. So I, it sounds to me like you have, you as a small press publisher have changed my way of thinking about whether someone should, <laughs> should go with a, a small press or self-publish. So I, I, I the out of business I, sign will be hanging up tomorrow on Bloodbound Books Wall, clearly, because now everyone <laughs> will self-publish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes total sense. And I'm really excited for like for future episodes to yeah. really get into more of the specifics of some of the things that we've talked about and try to help other, you know, other authors like actually accomplish some of these things that you've laid out, like of what could be expected with them with, with self-publishing. So I think this will be really cool. Really excited to uh, keep keep this series going. Absolutely. I, I love that idea. And I hope um, then I guess for everyone who's watching, if there's a topic we just touched upon, since this is only the first episode and it was touching on everything please leave us a comment, share this, or contact us directly on social media, you know, and tell us what you'd like to hear about. Because again, you have some real world experience that is not in the book world, and I can bring all the small press, you know, experience that I have, and it, we can do a lot for authors. I think that would be great. Awesome conversation. Thank you, Lucy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. It was, uh, this is a great first talk. All right. We'll see you soon.